right, let's do a bit of a reset, shall we? After that weekend in Houston, which saw the Jays take two of three from the Houston Astros. Could have swept them very well, but for a walk-off loss on Sunday, uh, Jordan Romano giving it up to Jeremy Pena. Uh, Kevin Barker alongside Jeff Blair and Blair and Barker. Hence the name, Blair and Barker. Um, The Jays have had a lot of success this year in one-run games so far. Yesterday, they came back, took the lead, took the lead again in the 10th inning, and as I mentioned, lost it on a home run that uh, Jeremy Pena hit off of Jordan Romano. So, a 4-2 road trip. The Jays are now 6-4. and four. In this run of 20 games between the Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros. And those three teams are in town starting tonight with the Red Sox visiting. Those three teams are in town for the next 10 games. Um, they've done it without Teoscar Hernandez. Of course, Danny Jansen's been out of the lineup as well. They've done it with George Springer not being 100%. Kevin, they've done it. By and large, when they've won, they've done it with good pitching, timely hitting, and some pretty good defense. So let's look at this Jays team as we await the first game of this series against the Boston Red Sox. What do you like? What have you seen that you've liked? What are the issues? And what does the future look like? the immediate future boy that's a that's a lot of different questions there Let, let's let's start with some good things i i like uh i like the way the rotation sort of taking form I, I like way ross stripling is filled in and and you know he's made some adjustments with how he's pitching the sequencing he's fixed some things mechanically uh he's given them a chance i'm okay with him uh, offensively, look, I think they've made some adjustments of taking a little bit of what the pitcher gave them. Uh, that, that for me, is one of the things when you're, uh, you know, the book's out that you're a really good offensive team and that you like the ball a little middle in and you like to get it down and get it singing and get the head out and then pitchers make an adjustment and want to throw everything away. And, you know, for a couple of games there, we saw that for whatever reason, whether it they some guys, you know, weren't used to seeing it out there and didn't have the approach and had to – make some adjustments, and now they're taking a little bit of what the pitcher's giving them. You know, you don't have to hit the three-run homer to right center field all the time. It's okay to, to dink and dunk some guys, and we're starting to see a little bit of that. Uh, so I like those two things. I like the bullpen. I like what they're doing. I like Jimmy Garcia. i got to be honest with you, Jimmy Garcia, from what I saw last year to what I'm seeing this year, I'm, I'm not liking him. I'm loving him. That that's you know mm. he's one of the guys I think that Pete Walker, at least when I have conversations with him, have I would think more confidence with him than he does anybody else in the bullpen. You're seeing who they bring him in against. It's it's yep. the it's the other team's best hitters. You know it's it's now whether that's that it comes around in the eighth inning. We've seen him coming in the seventh inning against the other team's best hitters. Uh, it's you know 
for the most part, when he comes in with the stuff that he has, he got, he's got five different pitches. He's got three different hitters. He can he can give you whatever the the hitter needs to to see to get him out. And I think that for me bodes well down the stretch here. When we uh, down the stretches is a little too early to talk about that. But long term, when it talks to right. you know, if this guy stays healthy, I think they found the guy that they can trust to pitch to the best hitters on the other team. There's a couple of broader things we should address before we really dig down here. Keep in mind when we talk about offense and when we talk about what the Jays are doing, keep in mind that offense throughout baseball right now is at a historically low level. Now, there can be any reason for that, many reasons. We've heard players talk about the baseballs. We've talked about the baseballs being stored in humidors. I think, now this is just me talking, I think that it's kind of difficult at this time to make any definitive statement on what is causing this because we are coming off a spring training that was impacted by a lockout. And I I think we need to get more data before we draw any broad conclusions. But having said all that, having said all that, I think we can all agree that the Jays' offense hasn't always looked the way we thought this offense would look. Part of that is no Tay Oscar, obviously. The fact of the matter is, if you look at offenses around baseball, the Jays right now, if you use uh, weighted runs created plus, which is a which is a, a a stat that, well, it's a stat that when Carlos Correa was asked last year what stat he pays attention to, he was talking about that. The Jays are very much above league average. In that, so the Jays are actually performing better offensively than the league, than the major leagues as a whole are. So keep that in mind when we talk about Bobichet scuffling or or this guy scuffling or they're not hitting home runs. Or uh, keep in mind that that is sort of around you know the whole thing around the game. But Kevin, I, I want to say this because you mentioned the bullpen. <clears throat> I'm going to give you some numbers. The bullpen's ERA is ninth in the majors and fifth in the American League. Its whip, walks, hits, printings pitched, is second in baseball, 0.97, second to the Dodgers. Its walks per nine innings pitched, 2.45, second best behind the Dodgers. Strikeouts per nine innings, they're 24th in the majors, so they're not striking out a lot of guys, but they're not walking a lot of guys. But, Kevin, here's the number after this weekend. Here's the ranking that really stood out to me. In terms of innings pitched, the Jays' bullpen is 15th. That's significant because early in the year, they were throwing more innings than any other bullpen in baseball. So what we've seen is the emergence of the starting rotation has allowed, I think, has allowed the bullpen to perform even better. So on balance, Kevin, I look at this. I think this year has gone through the first the early stages. This has gone very, very well for the Blue Jays. This has basically gone according to plan. It's not a bad thing. If you can look at a bunch of games and go, you know what? We could have won that game if we did this. We could have won that game if we did this. We could have won that game if we did this. The Jays have been in almost every game, and they could have won almost every game. And The underlying numbers are really good. I, I, I think it's been... I think it's been a really good start. It's. I'll say this. Considering Ryu's been hurt and considering Kikuchi's Kikuchiing, they're actually a little farther along than I thought they'd be. 
Yeah, maybe. Look, the big three righties in the rotation, Brios, Gosman, and Manoa, they're doing their thing. You think every time they take the ball now that they're going to give you a really good chance to, you know, take a little pressure off the bullpen. You're not going to have to use guys you don't want to use. We all know the names. Uh, what, what's Kikuchi going to look like? Now, that's a whole different conversation, and we will have that here that's coming a big up about what I'm seeing and, and, and what, you know, what they think needs to take place for him to be a little bit better. Ryu, what's going to happen? Uh, Ross Stripling. You know, I, I think they have enough depth in the rotation that they feel comfortable enough that when most of these guys get the ball, they're going to do a decent job outside the big three. The big three, they're the righties. You know sort of what you're going to get. They're going to muscle through it. They're going to figure out ways, and they're going to give you what they're going to give you most of the time. And then it's everybody else. And what's everybody else look like? That's where, you know, the the because of the big three, you just mentioned it, that when they're going deeper in games, six and seven innings, that takes pressure off the bullpen, and they don't have to throw as many – high leverage innings earlier in games, which is, you know, if you can minimize that and only go to a couple of guys, that means you have more options. The less guys you use in one day, that means more options you got the next day in higher leverage situations. And let's be honest, for the most part, if not all the time, Petey and Charlie have done a heck of a job of putting the right guy in the right spot. Yesterday, for an example, they were down by three runs going to big-time arms and, and early in games to keep it close just to give them a chance because they know offensively they, you know, if they can keep them around and keep it where it was at, that they can give them a chance to score late in games and, and give them an opportunity to win those games. Yeah, I like it. You know, and, and, and the emergence of, I don't know if you saw Ryan Barucki, but holy moly, if that sinker at 97 and, and he can locate that a little bit into righties and away to lefties, simplify that thing. You're, you're not trying to reinvent the wheel if you're Ryan Barucki. You're healthy. You've gotten that out the way. You should be raring and ready to go now. You should be well rested, you know, especially with your arm and your bullets that you can throw. He might be we talk about X factors with Collins in in the in the lineup. Maybe Ryan Barucki is that guy. Every every good team, every playoff team, every World Series team needs a surprise, and they sort of need it on a couple of sides of the ball. Maybe Ryan Barucki's that guy in the bullpen. Maybe Zach Collins is that guy in the lineup. We don't know. It looks like you know if Ryan can Barucki, Barucki can continue to do that and throw strike one and continue with the velocity. For me, anyway, that's the most important part. To get righties out, he's got to have velocity and late movement. If he's got those two things, I like him. Yeah, that uh, those two pitches he threw to Michael Brantley, those two ninety-seven mile an hour pitches, he made a really good hitter look look really ordinary. Trust on it, Saturday. Trust it. No, 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 you got good stuff. Know that what you're feeling in the bullpen is going to translate when you go on the mound when it matters the most. And you know <laughs> that that's not the easiest guy to come in and trust your stuff when you haven't done it in a long time. And for him to come out and the velocity looked like that and the confidence looked like that and his finish, we talk about that. It just sounds so simple. It's baseball 101 and people probably roll their eyes. Well, oh, the finish, they're big leaguers. They should know how to do that. No, a lot of them don't. You say Kikuchi's one of the guys. He's real timid yesterday with the finish. And Petey's talked about that. I've talked about that. Until you're actually seeing it on the mound consistently, that will tell you confidence-wise. You look at pitching coaches and what they're seeing on the mound, what tells them that, that a guy doesn't have it? A lot of the times it's real simple as, what's his finish look like? Is he doing it with confidence? And when you're not, that's a telltale sign that maybe you, you, know you need to get that bullpen up a little sooner than you want to. I want to talk about Kikuchi, but let's let's throw out sort of some rapid fire talking points here, and uh, we will be joined by Joe Siddle later later on in the hour, and we'll take a deeper dive into you say Kikuchi 
with uh, with Joe Joe Siddle and uh, Lou Merloni and David Sampson will join us as well. David Sampson, we're going to talk about Miguel Cabrera who got his three thousandth hit, and uh, just you know, David Sampson through his involvement in the ownership of the Marlins and the and the Expos was lucky enough to own teams that had players like Miguel Cabrera and Vladdy Senior on them. So we're going to talk to him about comparing the two comparing the two uh the, the two the two players and I know that Miguel Cabrera is very much a player that is close to his heart. So let's quickly do some rapid get get some rapid fire thoughts from you Kevin on these topics involving the Blue Jays. First of all, the defense in this series against Houston. Uh, we saw terrific defense from Santiago Espinal. We saw some interesting strategic decisions defensively that ended up paying off. The Jays went to a four-man outfield. They frequently went to a four-man outfield, and at least one occasion, we saw something that I think people need to remember about the four-man outfield. It's not just the ability to catch a fly ball or increasing the likelihood of a fly ball being caught with the four-man outfield. There was also, and I'm trying to remember the hitter, uh, in in this series where the Jays had a four-man outfield and they held what should have been a double to a single as a result of the four-man outfield. Uh, we saw Bradley Zimmer come in and make a terrific defensive catch in that little nook in at, at Minute Maid Park. And Kevin, we saw, I mentioned Santiago Espinal make, make some phenomenal, phenomenal defensive plays in the series as well. However, Bo Bichette uh, has made errors that have directly led two runs being scored. Kevin Biggio yesterday made an error. There were three unearned runs scored yesterday. Uh, Zach Collins, who we'll talk about his hitting, but Zach Collins also he lost that ball at his foot yesterday. That allowed a runner to advance, eventually contributed to a run being scored. So where are the Jays? Where are the Jays defensively right now? Because if you're going to play a lot of one-run games, and it looks like with the offense in baseball and the pitching in baseball, we may have to get used to these one-run games. Those, it's in one-run games where the defense really comes to the forefront. So what are you seeing from this Jays defense, considering the fact they don't have their everyday catcher, they don't have one of their everyday outfielders, they've been playing at times without George Springer? And uh, what do you make of the defense? Yeah, look, it's. I think it's one of those things where the, all the mistakes that they make are fixable. It's it's not things that, you know, you look at mistakes like the Bo Bichette uh, trying to make the running throw a lot, trying to make a lot of plays on the run when you really don't have to. Aledmus Diaz is at first base. Pena is hitting at the plate. Uh, you, you're thinking to yourself already, if a ball's hit to my right and I have to move a little bit, but it's not too far away from my right, I know that I can set my feet and go this to second. This is in the second inning Sunday, by the way. Yeah, it doesn't matter what inning it is. It, it's one yeah. of those things where if you're Bo Bichette and you're standing at shortstop, you're thinking, okay, how do I make this as easy as possibly that I can make it on myself to where I don't make it as much of a, a chance of me making a mistake and making it much harder on my starting pitcher, who quite frankly right now is in between and really don't know how he wants to get people out or even what kind of pitcher he is. So I'm trying to make that as easy as I possibly can. And you know the situation before it actually happens. Slower runner at first, faster runner at the plate, ball hits to me, I have to go to my right. Why won't I go as fast as I can to the ball, set my feet Make a strong throw to the easier base, which is right in front of you at second base. Second Those are base. things 
yeah, those are things for me anyway that that's it's not a physical mistake. It's a it's one of those things that he's worked on that play so much in the off season, uh, so much during the season. Those running throws, he thinks he has a lot of confidence in that. That okay, it's fine and dandy if if there's nobody on base and Pena hits that ball and you have to make that throw because he's a faster runner and you feel like you have to make that and that's the only way you're going to get that guy out. But when you don't have to, why would you? You, you simplify it. You everybody is better when they're catching the ball right in front of you. Too many more things can happen when the ball's on the sides of you and you're running when your eyes are moving, your head's moving. It's just an easier way to make a mistake. Uh, you know, other things like the you mentioned the Collins ball late in the game there, that's the that's the downside of going to a knee. When you go to a knee like that and the ball gets away from you and you lose your balance and you tend to your eyes are flying all over the place as a defender, it, you have a tougher time of, of finding the baseball, and that's exactly what happened. You live and die by going to a knee. Like, we could come on here and complain about why they're doing that. They're doing it because it works. They're doing it because they're trying to trick an umpire. There's no other reason. Like, we could sit here and say it's easier for them. It's it's easier for the pitch. No, it's not. You're trying to trick an umpire. That's why you go to a knee to make the strike zone up and down, especially down, look higher. That's basically why it is. When you, re- when you receive it, you're trying to basically trick that umpire. That's that's sort of living and dying by that. Uh, you know, you see him plays in the outfield. It's like the Lourdes ball that he threw out Brantley at third base. That's a play for me. You read the scoreboard. The scoreboard would dictate of whether you're going after a baseball or not. Now, obviously, Brantley, that's atrocious base running when you have three, four, five coming up to you in the order, and it's late in the game, and the game's close. Why would you even try to go to third? You're in scoring position already. But it's little things, right? It's letting the scoreboard dictate to you how you're playing defense, and all of these things for me are correctable. Like, you're you're correcting these things. It's like the Kevin Biggio thing, trying to lead because he's not used to playing first base, leading a pitcher to the bag. How do you get mad at that? Like, like it, there's there's no way for a fan to go, oh, throw your hands in the air. It's not Kevin Biggio's fault. He's doing the best he can. He's playing out of position. You know, he's probably trying too hard to play defense, defense too, because he's not hitting, and he's trying to warrant why he's on a roster at the big league level on a team that's contending. So, Big story here. I just think all the things for me anyway. Let the let the let the scoreboard tell you how you play defense. Let the let the you know who's on base and who's hitting tell you how you attack baseballs. And those are little things for me that they're so smart nowadays. And and Louis Rivera for me is quietly one of the best infield coaches in all of baseball. That he has co- enough conversations that you know I, I hope that we don't continue to see the same thing over and over over again. I will say this. I don't think you can continue to see that because you want to win a championship. What do they always say? Great starting pitching and really good defense, and that's how you win. And this is they're still winning by making mistakes. If you want to take a good thing away, that's that's one of the things you can take away from it. Jordan Romano's streak of saves came to an end yesterday uh, on that 2-0 pitch to Jeremy Pena with the ghost runner on third base. Any issues with that pitch? No, not really. No, it's it's. Uh, you know, I I would love to have seen him throw strike one. We we talk about this all the time till you're blue in the face, and and this is why we have this conversation. When we're on Jay's talking, you asked me what I thought of a certain guy. The first thing out of my mouth was he threw this many batters. He threw this many strike ones against those batters because that's a huge deal. Whenever I was trying to hit, a guy could flip a get me over oh oh slider. Now it gets me to thinking, and when I'm thinking, I tend to go outside the box. I expand. He put me on the defense instead of on the offense, and 
Even though you throw 97, 98, 99 miles an hour, you still have to throw strike one. And give Dusty credit. Dusty moved him from the leadoff spot to the aid hole to get him fastballs and fastball counts. Uh-huh. Because if he's leading off 2-0, he's probably not getting a, a fastball. He's getting something spinning. He's going to get something to try and change speed just because of where he's hitting in the lineup. So give Dusty Dusty Baker credit. But, you know, again, you, you, you throw him anywhere but right down the middle, a little down, because I think that's his sweet spot is he's a guy that needs to drop the head on the baseball. He needs to create backspin that way, and just so happens he did it 2-0. Okay, Yusei Kikuchi. We could probably do an entire show on Yusei Kikuchi. Three and two-thirds, four runs, two of them earned, four strikeouts, five walks. Now, we thought Yusei Kikuchi had taken a step forward in his previous start. Yesterday, we saw an over-reliance on the cut fastball. Kevin Barker, we talked about... Martin. This, to me, sums up Yusei Kikuchi's afternoon. Martin Maldonado, the number nine hitter for the Astros. He's he's a defense-first catcher. You've got a guy in the mound who yesterday was hitting 97, 97 and a bit with his fastball. Of the 14 pitches Martin Maldonado saw in those two walks, I'm going to check those numbers. I believe 12 were cut fastballs. You're right. Including six in a row at one point on one at bat. Um... Look, you've got to explain to me, and, and as you mentioned on Blue Jays talk yesterday, Pete Walker made two trips to the mound in three and two-thirds innings. Why would a pitcher who had a certain amount of success against the Boston Red Sox doing what everybody's been telling him he needs to do, which is use the fastball more? Kevin, why would he suddenly revert to to throwing cutters, which yeah, I, I, I'm with Buck Martinez on the cutter. Like it, I, it, it makes perfect sense to throw the cutter in certain situations. But, Kevin, to me, over-reliance on the cutter is you just you, – you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it as much as, as you say Kikuchi does. I, just ex- explain that to me. Yeah, well, I think to Buck's point is it's when you're throwing those, if you're locating it, throwing it back door, you throw it in off the hands, your misses are good with it. Misses good means off the plate. It starts on the plate. It ends up off the plate. That's that's the whole point in that pitch is when you throw it, it's a change of speed. You're trying to get weak contact. You're not trying to strike anybody out. But when you throw 28 of them and you only throw 13 of them for strikes, and you give up a home run to one <clears throat> right down the middle to a really good left-handed hitter, which is Kevin, he only pitch. got he only got three outs with it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's, you know, you mentioned who he's throwing it to and, and how much he's throwing it to certain people. How much I noticed when he was, when he gets traffic, he loves, he loves it. He, he doesn't like it. He loves it. He's going to it a lot. He's trying to take the sting out of a bat to get weak contact, thinking that he can get quicker outs that way. That'll just tell you straight up that he doesn't have confidence in, in other pitches, quite frankly, his fastball. And when you don't, have a trust in a fastball, you're probably not going to throw it. You're going to go to something else. You got to remember too, they do have a big sample size 
on Yusei Kikuchi coming from Seattle. They faced the That's Astros true. a ton. Uh, you know, he's probably gotten them out with that. I'm sure it's not as many as he threw yesterday, but I'm sure he's had <clears throat> success against Martin Maldonado. That's why he threw him a bunch of them. He's gotten some weak contact. He's been there, done it before. That's why you're seeing it. But, I, you know, I know for a fact the people that I talked to, I talked to him today, actually, I think the conversation with him is getting a little stronger. The last conversation that the, the organization was having was basically, here's what we're seeing. You know, we'd like to see you do this. Me from what I understand, the conversation is going to be more of this is what we're going to do. What you've done, I'm not, they're going to back it up with stats. You know, they're going to have a lot more stats than the 28 pitches and the 13 strikes. They're going to back it up and tell you exactly why and tell him exactly why if he throws this. Me, this is what I would like to see and eliminate it. It ain't no good. And that little poop slinging 81-mile-an-hour breaking ball you got, I'm sorry, there comes a time in a guy's career when you come to a different organization, they've seen it. They've seen what the fastball looks like. They've seen what the cutter looks like. And they've seen what they have to pay this guy. And there's a little bit of that, okay, we're giving you a little lenience here to show us what you think you are capable of. And now we're going to show you what we think that you have to do to have success in the American League East. This ain't the West. This is the American League East. And if you don't don't make adjustments start to start it ain't gonna look good and for him to come out and do what he did yesterday i think there was a little throwing their hands up and they've had enough and Can i ask gonna you this be, kevin go for do you it. think because he has seen the astros so often and he they, i mean he has he's faced the astros an awful lot he's faced him when he's been good when he was good last year he's faced him when he was crap last year did that get in his head here I'm sure did that it did. get in his head a bit, you know, that these guys, maybe I'm tipping pitches or, or uh, hell, it's the Astros. Maybe they're on to something. Do you think that got in his head and that he kind of out, he, he outthought himself out of the game? Yeah, maybe. Plus, he's working with Zach Collins, right? Yeah, oh, not, yeah look, the, the, the catching thing for nowadays has nothing to do with anything. But you, you notice Zach Collins put the finger down quick enough, and he set up quick enough that the, they were enough on a flow that, that you know, you, the blame in the catchers and, and the, on the same page, all of these games are so game planned before the game actually happens that they're on the same side before the game ever starts. So to blame, try and blame it on catchers, I think that that's enough. You just look at the bases loaded at bat to, to Alex Bregman where – I don't want to say scared, but that's about as nothing to want to do with somebody. He walked Alex, Alex Bregman on five yep. pitches, I think it was. He wanted nothing to do with it. That, for me, tells you a lot of, that you need to know, especially yesterday with Yusei Kikuchi. And I just think, you know, when you see an at-bats like that as an organization, as a pitching coach, as a manager, and you consistently see the nibbling, the backdoor cutters, the finessing the heater at 93 miles an hour. He threw more two-seamers yesterday than I saw. Now, i, I got to be quite frank with you. I got tired of counting his cutters and his two-seamers <laughs> and his poop slinging 81 mile an hour breaking balls. Like, it just, there's got to be one of those where, dude, You've touched 97. Now, there is a little worry for me anyway. Touching and pitching is two different things. And, you know, it was more 94-95 than 96-97. And I think that, for me, is one of those things where, you know, it's only going to be good if you throw it a lot. And the velocity, for me, at least on the four-seamer, just can't be there unless, you know, he buys into it. And and that's the thing here is we talk about Pete Walker and the, the projects that he has. Well, there's a $36 million project that he's going to have to figure out, and he's going to have to figure out in a hurry. So what do you do about a problem called Kikuchi? 
you know, what do you know the problem like Maria? Whatever. Anyhow, uh, Joe Siddle is our Blue Jays analyst on Blue Jay Central. He's also a former major league catcher. So we're going to try to get in the head of Yusei Kikuchi. And I'll ask Joe and Kevin the same question. Let's do a deeper dive into Kikuchi, his cutter, and what it means when you say you want a pitcher to, quote-unquote, do away with the pitch. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, I see they got some new peppier music for us, Bark. There you go. I like that. I do. I like it, too. Gets me in the mood to talk baseball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you are uh, wondering why we're not on Sportsnet 360 right now, it's just for a week. Relax. We'll be back on Monday. Um, apparently, I was just too ugly. No, I think a, I think they want me to wear some more colorful clothing, Kevin. <laughs> you were on me all the time. Barker's got this thing right because, like, I. I uh, I'm one of those used-to-be-heavy people. I'm still pretty heavy, right? And you know what they say, that black looks better in heavy people. So, like, I got a lot of black stuff, right? And and Barker's, I got these colorful shirts with all this happening here and here and orange. and So, basically, the uh, contrast blew the camera. So, that's why we're not. I'm just kidding. We'll be back on, we'll be back on TV uh, on Monday. By that time, the Jays will have played seven games against the Red Sox and the Astros, and they will be opening a series against the New York Yankees. 7.07 is the first pitch tonight against the Red Sox. A reminder that Thursday's game is an afternoon tilt. Sounds to me like it would be a pretty good time to play a little hooky from the office. You know, I'm just suggesting afternoon ball, Boston Red Sox in town. It's a great idea. American League East, it's Jays and Yankees right now. They're And the Rays. They're right there. And the Rays. Red Sox, a little bit of a slow start. Red Sox got some issues. We'll talk to Lou Merloni about that. Um, although I, I was going to say, if, if Tanner Houck not coming up to Canada because he isn't vaccinated means that you're going to see Garrett Whitlock instead. I'm not oh, entirely on. certain. <laughs> I'm not entirely thing. certain that's the... That's the bonus a lot of other people thought would be. Man, he was something else. He's nasty. He he's filthy. Those that, two, that's those two those two guys are are filth. I got to be honest with you. That's exactly what I want to see Nate Pearson look like. Yeah, a, exactly. a hybrid, a hybrid Bingo. that can spot start. Exactly. That is just filthy. That can dominate lefties and righties. Let's bring in Joe Siddle, our Blue Jay Central analyst. Let's bring him into the discussion. Hello, Mister Siddle. Good morning, fellas. How we doing? We're doing well. Uh, like what I've seen for the most part out of the Blue Jays. Uh, but I want to talk to you and Kevin about Yusei Kikuchi because I, I know you addressed this yesterday, and I was, I was like thinking along with you. When, when you came on, when you and Arash came on, I said, I know exactly what Joe's going to be talking about. We understand, I think, what the situation is with Yusei Kikuchi. The Jays want him to throw more fastballs. They want him to throw less cutters. Yesterday, he loves the cutter. 
You know he loves the cutter. Yesterday, 28 cutters, 13 strikes. He got three outs with it, just one punch out. Gave up a home run to a lefty on the cutter and walked the number nine hitter. And, and the only way Martin Maldonado, God love him, he's a terrific catcher. The only way he's going to get in bases is if you walk him. Uh, he, 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 just, he just fed him a steady diet of cutters. And I'm pulling my hair out because I got 96, 97. Uh, if I got that in the tank, I want to just, I want to buzzsaw this guy. So, Kevin, we've got to think that Pete Walker at some point is going to have a discussion with Kikuchi about his pitch mix. So I want to ask you and Kevin this, because both of you guys have played the game. We sit here and say, for God's sake, man, don't throw the cutter. How hard is it to get a pitcher to not throw a pitch that he is clearly in love with? You have to take charge back there as a catcher. That's your job. You're quarterbacking the game, and I put this on an inexperienced catcher. If indeed the game plan going in, and I would hope it would have been, to have a game plan of pitching somewhat like he did in Boston, being aggressive with the fastball. We saw the swings and takes by right-handed hitters, especially in Boston. They weren't good. The fastball's effective. It's good. So to not have that same game plan going into that game against the Astros, and you can talk the Green Monster, you can talk the Crawford boxes, wipe it out. I don't care what park you're playing. That's how he pitched effectively. So let's assume that that was the game plan going in. So if you're a catcher out there and you're putting down fastball and he's shaking a cutter and you, you know, once in a while you give it okay, but after a little while you don't keep doing it. You call time, you stop, you go to the mound, and you say, no, this is not what we're doing. This is what we're doing here. We're going back to where you were the best. That's using the fastball, pitching aggressively with you have to take charge. So I don't know what the scenario was. I think we would all agree that there is a game plan going in and that the catchers are calling their own game. If there was a game plan – and Collins did not execute the game plan. That's on the catcher. And we all talk about how, you know, Kikuchi was just getting to spring training. They didn't have a ton of time to throw all these things at him. And I heard you earlier, Kip, you're right. Like, a few starts in here, wake up and smell the coffee. You, you've seen where you are the best. And he did not pitch to his, what should have been his game plan. Okay, Joe, I, I, you know, I, I love what you said there, but I, I, I just think when you give a guy – I get back to that money thing, and sometimes when I say money, how much a guy got paid, Blair sort of rolls his eyes at me. But that's true, right? I got a catcher behind the plate who is, quite frankly, nobody even thought in a million years he's going to show up and do all things offensively that he's doing, and now you're trusting him to get you through something when, look, I got paid to come here and do my thing, and I think the cutter's the thing. For me, this gets back to – you know, the conversation that Petey had with him, I know that little closed-door thing where he said, "This is we're going to do more of this before the Fenway started, went in and he did it. Now he comes out and sees this. Is there a conversation you think that could be had that we're going to almost eliminate the cutter? Right? We're going to – how about we think about this? We think about eliminating that little – I don't know about you, Joe, but when I see him flip that little 81-mile-an-hour breaking ball, I'm thinking, I appreciate that. That, that thing is good to hit, and that's like BP. You know, your tongue's hanging out. You're wanting to go back leg. How about let's throw the slider harder. Let's throw the four-seamer and sprinkle in the, the split change and occasionally, occasionally throw the cutter. You think they can sell that to him? Well, I wouldn't eliminate the cutter because, you know, it was actually – I thought it was pretty decent at Fenway because of the fastball, because he threw the fastball more. And pitchers will tell you, and, I, and Romano comes to mind, when I had a conversation in spring training with him. He says, yeah, I need to use my fastball because it gives me a better feel of it. In other words, if you don't use it a lot, you lose the feel. Well, that sounds pretty familiar if you look at what Kikuchi did yesterday compared to his last start 
at Fenway. I thought the fastball was good in his last start at Fenway, and actually it made the cutter okay and good because if, when you're aggressive with the fastball and firing a glove side, which is into righties, then you can be aggressive with the cover, cover uh, the cutter. And it just seemed as though one complemented the other. But now you get away from the fastball and you fall in love with the cutter, go back to the Yankee start, his first start, right? Lots of spinning stuff, cutters and sliders. And Yankees hitters were sitting all over it. I mean, if you're not going to throw the fastball very much, you sit sits off and they were sitting all over it. I think that's what Brantley did on the cutter yesterday because by that third at bat, he's like, well, he's throwing a bunch of cutters today, so I'll just sit and wait for that rinky-dink thing. Now, if you get to a point in your third at bat and he's using the fastball aggressively, you have to be on your heels and ready for 96-97, and then you sprinkle in that cutter, and then maybe that slider for me is make it more of a put-away, like bury it pitch, not just during the count where hitters can sit on it. So, yeah, I, I gosh, if this conversation can't be had now, absolutely. I just mean early on, you got to get to, you You probably got to let him pitch and feel his way a little bit before you start throwing things. I think they did. It looked like they threw things at him. But now you got to throw it a little harder. And, uh, yeah, I, regardless, then I get kept three and 36. But, hey, buddy, we signed you and paid you because we like what we saw. And we actually, though, like what you could be, but you need to listen to us now because the writing's on the wall. I mean, how does he not see the results? I want to talk about Zach Collins and Zach Collins' offense because it seems to me there's been a whole bunch of Zach Collins and Santiago Espinal happening in the last week, which which is which is a good thing, which is a good thing for the Blue Jays. Now, I asked Kevin this on Blue Jays' talk after the game, Joe. Um we know that at some point Danny Jansen's going to come back and be the everyday catcher. We know at some point Teoscar Hernandez is going to come back and there will have to be a roster move made. We also know that this organization kind of goes back and forth at times as to whether they want three catchers or just to go with, with two catchers. I'm wondering if Zach Collins has shown you enough offensively that if Teoscar comes back and you've got to make a choice, or you know, if Teoscar and Danny Jansen comes back and you make a choice, I understand Bradley Zimmer's a left-handed bat that gives you really good defense in center field. We saw that this this weekend. Bradley Zimmer also hit a home run this weekend. But has Zach Collins given you enough offensively and shown you enough as a, as a catcher, Joe, that you would consider this guy to be a bench player, to be one of your lefty bats off the bench? Uh, I think right now I would keep three and I would just have Jansen replace Heineman. And mm-hmm. the issue is when you have an Alejandro Kirk, who's more of an offensive player, you like his bat. And if he's going to DH the odd day or pinch it, like we saw was that uh, yesterday, you kind of do you, do you want that third catcher around in an emergency? Now it would be an emergency because you don't necessarily want that Collins catching late in the game. But if Kirk's going to be that type of player where you're going to be DHing him and pinch hitting him, that third catcher kind of helps. So I would ride that out a little bit with Collins. Now, Hey, he, he's hot right now, but let's just kind of wait and see if it happened right now. I would, right. but you, you keep playing it out and maybe a month or two from now the conversation's different and the league has figured him out a little bit and he's scuffling and then you can easily send him down but I think if it happened right now sure kind of keep him around just for that I don't I don't necessarily think Zach Collins coming off the bench pinch hitting in the eighth inning 
strikes fear in the opposition. I mean, yeah, he can run into one, but I also think you can pitch to him. You know, you guys have talked a lot. I've heard you on, him on your show with the with the hitch thing, and I've been kind of watching that a little bit in his swing. I mean, he's he's probably being the best version of himself right now, but I'm I'm still waiting for teams to maybe attack him with with heaters up in the zone a little bit, a little more. And I think as the league continues to see that, they might. But good for him. He's he's performing right now, and you keep riding that hot hand. Joe, do you think the defense from the Jays that you've seen early on is good enough long-term to win the American League East? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do because with the three pitchers that they have leading their rotation, I think that's going to be more than a good enough start to rotation. And uh, whatever you can get out of, you know, if Kikuchi can be a little bit more like the Fenway Kikuchi instead of the Minute Maid Kikuchi, that, that would certainly help at the back of the rotation. And then you mix and match with – stripling right now and if i think because those big three guys should be solid i mean just let's assume those three guys go six every start but like that's how good i think the top of the rotation can be and that makes that bullpen that we've been seeing being very effective i think it's more sustainable than what we saw last year because they were called upon so much so there are a lot of good things going in guys they haven't hit yet either i mean if you think bob going to do this all year I, I highly doubt that and i know he's fighting it and he's He's dropped the leg kick, and he's in his own head right now, and that happens as hitters. Kev, you've been there. And mm-hmm. I think this lineup will hit, especially when Teoscar gets back. I think the defense is fine. I, I, sometimes, you know, when, being so close to the team, I, I nitpick myself. And I, I, I want different things out of the catchers behind the plate, and I want better defense at this position. And I want, but, I mean, you can't have gold glovers ever. I think it's fine. Uh, you know, Bo's certainly raising some questions again. He did this early last year, but I just think if you can settle on the fact that he might not be a gold glover for you, but just hopefully make the plays, and they know he's not necessarily always doing that, I think it's fine, especially the way Espinal settled in at second base as well. One of the really emerging storylines, maybe strengths of this team in the early going, certainly compared to last year, uh, has been the bullpen. You know, we we looked at some of the numbers at the start of the show, Joe, and, and you know they're whipped. They're second behind the Dodgers, uh, walks per nine innings. They're second behind the Dodgers, second best behind the Dodgers. Strikeouts per nine innings, they're down towards the bottom of the league. ERA, they're fifth in the American League, ninth in the majors. But the number that really stood out to me is after all these games, not all these games, but after this run of relatively difficult games, their innings pitched is is fifteenth. So it's like. Earlier in the year, we were wondering whether or not the Jays' bullpen was going to be able to keep up with the workload. We've seen their workload decrease as the starting pitchers have settled in. And I'm really liking what I see from this this, this bullpen now. I'd like a little more swing and miss stuff, but I think, I think Joe, the way, the way Charlie and Pete and John Schneider and, 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 and Matt Bushman, the way they used the bullpen yesterday really intrigued me and really shows me Kevin made this point that kind of very quietly I think uh, 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 Jimmy Garcia has emerged as an important arm in this bullpen hasn't he they have all they have a lot of trust in him and they're not afraid to throw him in against the meat of the lineup oh no kidding yeah that, that was a quietly a huge signing for the Blues I shouldn't say quietly because the guy's been a good major league reliever but it looks like, yeah, that's going to be a nice piece. And you almost it, it gives you that feeling, maybe even a little bit more, that when they finally addressed the bullpen last year with Simber and Richards, and it just seemed to really settle things. And I say those two names because, again, guys with a little bit of track record, like when I say mm-hmm. solid major league reliever, you know, that's, a, that's an ultimate compliment. Like there aren't 
tons of solid major league relievers year in and year out, right? And these guys are kind of becoming that, so that that is reliability. Um, you know, when you when you look at what Trent Thornton's done, that's been a huge bonus. I mean, when he came into that game the other night in the fifth inning, I'm thinking, ooh, why? Like, what are we doing here? Right, I'm thinking tie game. You, you kind of go with your guys now, like uh, or tight anyway, and you, you kind of go with your your your, your winning guys, your your go to guys, your leverage guys. But so yeah, there are a lot of little pieces down there, and um, you know even with with Baraki, what he did the other that was another one. I was just I was spinning my head a little bit. I'm like, ooh, wow, just because it's a lefty lefty matchup, I was like, I almost just take my chances with Phelps here and leave him in there. But they went to the matchup, and here in my head, I'm thinking, oh yeah, here's the analytics, lefty lefty matchup. At all 97 with run yeah. into Brantley. Where was where has that been? So hey, if I don't know if that was. An aberration, but my goodness, if you start adding that stuff in Mesa from the left side in your bullpen, yeah, there are a lot of good good pieces down there. That and Charlie's got tons of flexibility too. The way he's he's going to different guys, and you know, if it's the top of the order, he went to Garcia. So yeah, lots of lots of ways to do it, and lots of reliability so far early on. Yeah, it yesterday intrigued me because I've kind of quietly and and only sort of half seriously suggested that one of the things the Jays we're going to do early in the year was, you know, it's, it's going to be all about winning series. First and foremost, it's going to be about winning series earlier in the year. And I kind of thought that we'd almost see the development of an A and B bullpen. And, and you know, to be kind of facetious, the bullpen you're going to use in a day where you look at it and you're down early, you go, we're not winning this. I'm going to save the good arms for a serious game. And then the other, you know, the good arms that you use in a game you can win. Well, yesterday I saw the Jays managing, and I saw Charlie managing a game with an early deficit, like he thought he was going to win it, and damn near almost did, <laughs> but for but for a walk off home run, and that to me was really eye opening about this bullpen because that suggests to me that Charlie has the utmost confidence now in almost everybody in that bullpen. Yeah, a little surprising to see Richards so soon. I thought hey, it was yes. four to one after the yep. Brantley homer, and I'm thinking Richards. I looked at a rash, and I was kind of like, wow, I thought. Uh, maybe you go to like Saucedo or something, you know, kind of try to get some work in here. But yeah, he goes to Richards and uh, allows his team to come back. And you know, again, that's uh, that's another thing with this bullpen. Now, remember, you're going to lose probably a couple of arms. Is it May first? Mm-hmm. And that makes life a little bit more interesting because you know, I don't want to say garbage innings, but you know, you don't have those innings where you can just throw some of those guys. Uh, even Trent Thornton, who has been so good here, and I, obviously he's been so good, he'll stick right now. But that's the kind of I used to. You know, we all used to think Thornton's going to pitch when they're losing six to one, right? Need up some innings, yeah. and that's kind of valuable at times too. But you might not have any of those guys anymore if you get rid of two relievers right now. Everybody down there's pretty solid. So now you're going to have to use those guys in those games, and then now everybody's not available. So it's going to be interesting, and I I think that's. I, I like that about baseball. I said way back, you know, if you want to get a little more offense in the game, reduce the number of pitchers on rosters. So hopefully that'll kick in. Obviously, offense is down so far, but that's kind of the same thing every April, and I'm sure it'll be heating up with the weather in May. Good stuff, Joe. Appreciate it as always, my friend. Thanks, Siddle. Right, guys, have a great one. You, you too. too. That's buddy. Joe Siddle, Blue Jay Central Analyst on Sportsnet. That's going to be interesting decisions for the Jays when the rosters shrink. Because you can make a case that everybody in that bullpen, with the exception of Taylor Saucedo, Kevin, everybody in that bullpen has so far has made a case to to belong in the majors. Yeah, you know, even in their small sample, even in their, I understand they're really, really, really small sample sizes. I get all that, but there there really hasn't been, I don't think anyhow, 
an arm in that bullpen that is that you kind of look at and shrug and go, eh, really? Again, maybe other than Taylor Saucedo, and we know what he can contribute when he's right. Yeah, look, for me, it'll come down to who has options. If you don't have options, you probably yes. won't get sent down. You know, Ryan Barucchia thinks out of options. He won't be one of the guys that they, they're going to give a little longer leash to, and when he comes in the game, he's going to have to perform at a little higher level. I'm with Siddle. The, the, the 97 velocity with Barucchia is very intriguing because now you feel comfortable bringing him in against two righties and a lefty instead of having mm-hmm. to try and match it up like they've been with Tim Mesa because the velocity's been up and down. It's been moody. And they're trying to line him up with maybe two lefties and a righty. And and maybe if Barucchia can add the the extra little tick or extra gear velocity, maybe maybe they feel comfortable enough of bringing him maybe in in a fifth inning against two righties and a lefty. That, that would be a nice little surprise for and make it a little easier for Petey and Charlie to, to make the right decision at the right time. You know, that's a lot of what it is, especially early in the season. You're throwing it against the wall and hopefully picking the right guy, especially when you're down and you don't want to use your best guys. You don't want to overwork them at the same time and you're trying to make all the right decisions. And i got to be honest with you, this is one of the best. I said this to you, and, and you know, we sort of shrugged this off. Charlie, for them to make it to the playoffs, has to have a great managerial season. Not a good one. It's the American League East. You've got four teams bunched up. You have a bad week or two, you're out of it. I mean, let's be quite frank about this thing. You're out of it. So for him to be making the decisions, there's an urgency there. And you can sort of see it with his team. There's no more of the, the shortstop turning around going, ah, oh, really? That's who you're bringing in? No, no matter if it's in the fifth inning, we're down by three runs. Really? That's who you're bringing in? And and to actually see him going to arms that matter, mm. sort of no matter what the score is, I think that's trickling down to the to the whole entire team, and that they're backing it up, and and that's nice to see. Yeah, it's you know we know that this team didn't make the playoffs last year because of the bullpen. I, mean, I cannot put it any other way. That that run of lack of form of the bullpen cost this team a playoff spot, uh, and and it is early, but you at least get the sense here. You at least get the sense here that there is an answer for almost every in-game issue in that bullpen. You know, that, that it's just a matter, can Charlie and Pete, can they put the right guy in at the right time? It's The right guy's there. They have the right guy this year, right? They have the guy that can address the immediate situation. It's just a matter of, do you put the right guy in at the right time? And and. Yeah. That, that, to me, when I compare this year's team to last year's team, and I'm beginning to see now, I'm beginning to see now how important Kirby Yates might have been to this team last year had he been healthy. Because effectively, I'm not going to say he would be what Jimmy Garcia is this year, but it, it's kind of that arm. And now I'm beginning to see why when the Jays brought Kirby Yates in, I, I'm beginning to see the thinking behind Ross Atkins putting the bullpen together the way he did. Yeah, now, if you're Charlie and you're a contending team and you're thinking, okay, I have the eighth and ninth inning taken care of. I just need to match up. Who do I like more to match up against the other team's best hitter? They they were telling you that's Jimmy Garcia. They don't need to come out and say it. Just see who's pitching against those guys. Yeah. So you got the eighth and ninth inning, and now you've got four guys with David Phelps taking the velocities mm-hmm. back, the break on that, the cutters back, being able to pitch to both hitters' weaknesses is back. And now you add Tim Mace's confidence. 
confidence to the mix. Now Charlie has four guys to go to that he can interchange to get it to the eighth and ninth inning. I'm with you. Sometimes you got to give more credit to the players. And right now, you got six or seven guys out of that bullpen that are all hot at the same time, and it's easier for Charlie to flip the, the right guy at the right time. Lou Merloni will join us in the next hour. We'll get you set for the big four-game series against the Red Sox. We have Blue Jays tickets to give away today. We've got Blue Jays tickets to give away every day. We'll give ours away in the 11 o'clock hour, and we'll talk about Miguel Cabrera with David Sampson, who once owned the team or was president of the team that had Miguel Cabrera and let Miguel Cabrera go. Hmm. It's Blair and Bark on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.